Hey everybody, good morning. I'm jacked up today. Man, today is a great day. I'm excited to be here. Got nothing to do with Carolina or Clemson. Um, but uh, it's just a great day. We had a great week. Our staff went away on a, uh, to a leadership conference. We came back pumped up, refreshed. Uh, it's just good to be here today. Already had a great service. Uh, hey, Coastal Community Church, we exist to share and experience what? What's the word? Life. Life is only found in Jesus. We believe that. That's our mission. It's to share the life of Christ with people, with the world around us, to do anything short of sin, to see people come to know him, because we believe that people are either dead in their sin or they are alive in Jesus. And once we experience that life, or, uh, then our, our, our role is to grow in that life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's why you're here today. That's what drew you here today. God uh, has you here for a reason. You're not here by mistake. Uh, it's to learn about him, to learn about Jesus, to come to faith. Um, let's just dive right into today's message. I want us to say uh, this out loud together. It's on your outline. It'll be on the screen. Don't shame uh, me or our guests today. Let's say this out loud like you can read and like you, can, uh, like you understand this. Let's say it. The decisions that you make today determine the stories that you'll tell tomorrow. That was great. First service did terrible. Y'all did great. I'm impressed. Um, hey, five years from now, you're going to look back on this season right here, this, this time of your life, and uh, you're going to have a story to tell based on the decisions that you make today, uh, this, this chapter, this season of your life. And the good news is for a lot of you, um, that's going to be a great story. Man, you're going to tell a story. Whether you're going to be gathered with some friends, you know, maybe Thanksgiving or just out together telling stories. And you're going to look back on this time of your life and you got some stories to share that you're really proud of. Hey, you know, a few years ago, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you how God changed my life. Let me tell you how I did something, I accomplished something. The bad news is for some of you, you're going to look back at this season, at this chapter, and there's some things that you're not very proud of. You're not going to be, in fact, you're, you're not going to want to share them. You're going to want to, you know, rip that page out of your, out of your story. Uh, the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we're going to tell tomorrow. Now, here is the reality. During this season of your life, for many of you, you're going to face an obstacle. You're going to face a challenge. You're going to run up against something that's going to be very difficult and very hard. For some of you, it is your job, okay? And you don't think you can stand another day. Maybe it's a relationship you're in, and it has turned south, and you think, man, it is not worth it. It'd be so much easier just to, just to walk away. For some, it's a dream, it's a vision, it's something that you're trying to accomplish, something that you wanted to do, and you think now, man, this is never, ever going to happen. And so you've come to a fork in the road. You've come to this de decision point, and, and basically you've got a choice to make, okay? Do I stay or do I go? You know, do I stick this thing out? Do I stay the course? Or am I going to give up? Am I going to walk away? Now, hear me loud and clear. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think we all need to acknowledge that, yes, there are times to walk away. 
You know, there are times to, you know, close one chapter and begin another chapter. There are times when you need to let something die, let something go, and it's time to move forward. However, sometimes the best decision you could ever make is to stay when it would be easier to what? Go. Sometimes the best decision you could ever make is to stay the course, to not give up, to hang in there. Don't throw in the towel. And I could say that I can promise you that at some point in, in the story of your life, whatever story you're writing, wherever you're at, no matter your age, no matter where you're from, at some point you're going to come to that fork, you're going to come to that choice, that decision it is, do I stay or do I go? Now, how you answer that question, it, and, and to a large extent, is going to determine part of the story of your life. Now, that's what this whole series is all about, that we've been in now for several weeks. You know, how do we live a story worth telling? How do we live our lives today, today, so that we could tell the story tomorrow you know, that God wants us to tell. Now, part of the answer to that is found in a great passage that we've been looking at every week, a great little verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's say this, well, just listen, it says this. It says, let us fix our eyes on who? Remember what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Not, by the way, it doesn't say, let's fix our eyes on the situation. You know, it's not, let us fix our eyes on, you know, on all my options. Instead, it says simply, fix your eyes. In other words, your thoughts, your mind on Jesus. Now, what does it say about Jesus? It says he is the what? What's the word? The author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, in this series, The Story of My Life, we're talking about making five decisions. Five decisions that will affect the stories that you tell tomorrow. In week number one, we, we made the decision to start. And remember, we talked about starting one habit, one change, one decision that could help you live the story that God wants you to tell. In week number two, we talked about stopping, making the decision. Remember, like we talked about, we're in a race and to throw off all the stuff in our life that's hindering our story. The sin that so easily entangles to stop something that's hindering you from living the story that God wants you to tell. Now today what we're going to talk about is the decision to stay when it would be easier to go. Now believe it or not, next week we're going to talk about choosing to go when it would be easier to stay. And I know that sounds you know, a little contradictory, but... Every single one of you to live out your full potential, there is going to be a time in your life when you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. When you're going to have to step into something that is unknown and take a risk. And because you choose to do that, you're going to tell the story worth telling that God wants you to tell. When it would be easier to play at stake. Now, the final week, week five, October the 19th, is going to be a really powerful day. Uh, we're going to talk about the decision to take next steps spiritually. Everybody has a next step spiritually. I don't care how, how old you are, how, old you, how long you've been in the faith, brand new Christian, uh, you know, been a Christian forever, or maybe you're just seeking today. We all have a next step, a next decision, to a next step to take. Now, we're going to encourage many of you to take the next step of baptism. For some of you, that's the step that you haven't taken. You haven't gone public with your faith. Maybe you've never been baptized, or baptism was something that was done to you. 
and it wasn't a decision that you made. And it's time for you now to complete, really to bring to completion the prayers and the hopes of your parents. And now on your own, because you've come to faith, to be baptized, they were baptized in the Bible, to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized, by immersion. And now to go public with your faith. And we would love to do that. It is going to be a party here at Coastal on the 19th. Because the Bible says that when one person comes to faith, that the, all, of, all of heaven, all the angels rejoice. And so we believe we ought to be partying as well. And so it's going to be a great party and a great celebration on October the 19th. If you'd like to get baptized, let us know about that on the back of your Connect card. It says, check the box. I'd like to be baptized on Sunday, October the 19th. Now, today, I want to talk about when it's the right thing to stay, to not give up, to not lose hope, to not quit, when it would be so much easier to walk away. And the reality is a lot of you right here and right now, you are facing something in your life where you've got to make that decision. You know, do I stay the course? Do I hold out? Because it, it would just seem so much easier and maybe even better if I would just give up and walk away. Now let me say this, of all these decisions that we're talking about in this series, I think that for a lot of you, today's decision is the most important, or at the very least, the most difficult one that you're going to make. Because some of you, you know, you know, maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, you know, okay, I see that, what you're saying, Pastor Chris, but I really don't have any decisions like that in my life right now. And I would say, okay, fair enough. You don't feel like you're at that crossroads. You don't feel like you've got that decision to make today in different areas of your life. Now, I would say this, though. Let's be honest. At some point in your life, I promise you, you will be there. Now, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow or next week, but it might be next year. It might be a couple of years down the road. Because at some point, all of us hit that obstacle, we hit that brick wall, and you are not going to want to stay in there. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do today. I'm going to challenge you to keep your eyes on Jesus to keep looking forward toward him, and then to ask yourself this question, what story does God want me to tell about this area of my life five years from now, 10 years from now? And many of you are gonna realize that the right thing to do is to stay and not give up when it would be easier to walk away. Now, like we've done every week in this series and like we do every week here at Coastal, man, there is a tremendous, awesome story about this very thing in the Bible, in the Old Testament today, um, in the story of Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. Now, you can, I would encourage you to, uh, uh, to go home and read the whole story on your own. It's a, it's a tremendous story in the book of Ruth. Naomi um, is the mother-in-law, the older woman, and her two sons have married these two women, her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Now, just a little side note, kind of an interesting little funny side note. Um, Oprah was actually named after Orpah. And that's a true story. She tells the story how when they were writing her birth certificate, somebody misspelled Orpah and wrote Oprah. Which, by the way, is probably a tremendous blessing, isn't it? Aren't you glad that you're not a, a friend of the Orpah show? You know, that just sounds kind of... It's kind of weird. There'd be a whole bunch of jokes about Orca and Orpa and all that. So we're glad that they made a mistake. Um, but anyway, um, unfortunately, Naomi's husband died. Okay, so that's 
part one of the story. And then, very tragically, uh, both of her sons die. So now that leaves Naomi and Orpah and Ruth without husbands. Okay? Now, you need to understand something. In that culture, in that society, during that time, uh, that, was a, that was just a huge travesty. A great, great tragedy because, you know, women back in that day couldn't just simply, you know, okay, husband's dead, I'll go down to Starbucks and get a job, okay? You know, oh, he left me a lot of life insurance, I'll be fine. It just didn't work that way. They, typically, women would then be in the care of family, but now Naomi's husband and her two sons have both passed away, and so all of them are like, not only are they unemployable, but now they've been reduced basically to the level of beggar. And in that culture, that was even lower uh, than a slave. And so Naomi, basically the mom, you know, she tells her two, the, the, the wives of her two sons who have passed away, hey, listen, you need to go. You need to go back home, go back to your people, because you're going to have a much better chance of survival with them. You know, instead of three of us here, it'd be much easier if you just go back home and go back with your people, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's somebody there that'll take care of you. Now, Orpah did that. Okay, no, no shame on her, you know, honestly, again, that, that's basically the easier thing to do, and truthfully, is, is, is the more logical thing to do. I mean, it made sense, so she goes back home. Ruth, though, decides to do something very different. She decided to stay. When it would have been much, much easier for her to go. In fact, Naomi tried to talk her out of it, again, very graciously. Uh, look, at, look with me, if you would, at Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Naomi said this, Look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Now, most of you have probably heard the rest of this verse. But what cracks me up, you've probably heard it um, at a wedding. Okay? Now, what's funny is that what I'm about to read in its context, okay, and what I mean by its context is, you know, when it was written, to whom it was written, what it was really about had nothing to do with marriage. It's actually not between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, but it was spoken between two women, okay? So it's kind of silly when you hear this read, you know, at a wedding when, you know, cousin so-and-so or sister so stands up and reads, reads this next passage and everybody's crying. It's got nothing to do with marriage, but anyway, it's two women, which is, you know, anyway, I won't say anything about that. But, okay, so it says this. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. In other words, even though it'd be easier to go, I'm, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She decides, hey, you know what? Listen, Ruth, we're family. Naomi, we're family. I, I'm going to choose your God. I'm going to choose the one true God. I'm going to commit to him. I'm going to make a commitment to you. Now, even though it'd be more logical, even though it'd be easier, even though it makes sense to go, I'm going to stay. And we're going to figure this thing out. I'm committed to you. Now, it, it really would be, it, it's very hard for me to communicate just how costly of a decision that would have been in that culture in that day for Ruth. I mean, again, she's been relegated basically to lower than a slave. She is a beggar. Now, as a beggar, really the only way they would have for survival would be to go out into the fields and, and hopefully the workers in the field after harvest time 
they would maybe leave some food behind. And, and after they'd finished, they'd go out into the fields and try to gather up some of the leftover food from the fields, uh, from the farms. Now, let me tell you something. For a woman, that was a very dangerous position to be in. Uh, they, they, they would be abused. They would be taken advantage of sexually. It, it, was a, it was a very difficult place and a very difficult time. But if they didn't get food, they didn't eat and they starved. Now, enter a man, a very godly man by the name of Boaz into the story. Boaz hears about Naomi and about Ruth. And for some reason, he has compassion on her. And he basically tells his workers, hey, here's what I want you to do. Instead of just gathering up everything for us and our families and our, uh, you know, our clan, what I want you to do is very intentionally, very purposefully, I want you to leave behind some extra food for, for Ruth and for Naomi. And I don't want you to lay a hand on them. You know, don't touch them. Don't harass them. Don't bother them. In fact, um, you know, that kind of raises the question, like, you know, why would he do that? Now, the answer to me is really awesome because the answer is, he heard her story. He heard her testimony. He heard how she decided to stay with Naomi when it would have been much easier to leave. He heard how she committed her life to their God and turned her back on, on her gods from her, from her family. And how she decided to, to commit and, and how it would have been so much easier for her to leave. Now, in fact, listen to his response. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. It says, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law. In other words, did you hear that? I've been told. what He heard her story. All about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and you came to live with the people that you didn't know before. And then he says this. After that, he, uh, he pronounces a blessing on her. And he says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. Now, nobody realized really at that point how big and how awesome that blessing would become. Because, and, and again, I would, I would challenge you, encourage you, go home and read this whole story. Because through a very series of unusual events... Boaz ends up marrying Ruth, and suddenly this, this beggar girl who has no future, who is, who is less than a slave, becomes the, the wife of a, a wealthy landowner, and now she's one of two women who had books of the Bible named after her, Ruth, and then what's the other book? Esther, okay? Wow, and then not only that, Later on, you know, in Matthew, when they start reading the genealogy of Jesus and so-and-so begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, part of the family of so-and-so, you know, the part that you skip over or fall asleep during, you know, when they read that. Well, guess what? You come to find out that Jesus, you can trace the lineage of Jesus through, you know, through her bloodline. Her total life now has been changed. Why? Because she decided to what? To stay. When it would have been easier to what? To go. Now don't miss the power of this. Ruth did not stay because she hoped God would bless her. She stayed because she believed it was the right thing. And then God blessed her. 
God blessed her because she did the right thing. God blessed her because she did not give up. She did not quit when it would have been easier to throw in the towel and to walk away. Now, everybody, at some point in your life, you're going to come to that crossroad. You're going to come to a place where you've got this decision to make. Should I stay the course when it would, or when it would be easier to walk away, do I do that? Now, the question we've been asking in this whole series, and I want, you to, I want you to ask it again to yourself today and to think about it, is this. What story does God want you to tell with your life? What does God want you to want? You know, in the different areas and arenas of your life, you know, maybe there's an area of your life that's not what it should be or what it could be. And maybe, you know, it might be today that, uh, you know, God wants you to spend more time with your family. And sometimes that's difficult and sometimes that's hard. But you've got a decision to make. Maybe you feel like God is taking you, maybe you feel like God's calling you to take some initiative uh, and to, to lead your family spiritually. But that's hard. And sometimes that's met with resistance. Do you do it or do you give up? Or maybe just your spiritual life is not where it should be. And you've been doing a, a certain habit, but now this habit is becoming difficult. It would be easier not to do it. Do you stay or do you leave? Or some of you, you know, it's, it's got to do with your finances. It might have to do with getting healthy or it might have to do with your marriage. Whatever it is, what story does God want you to tell? Now, in light of that, in light of what God wants you to want, here's the application question this week. Where is it that God wants you to stay? What does God want you to stay the course in so that you can live the story that God wants you to tell in your future? When it would be so much easier to walk away. You know, sometimes you're going to come to a place where it doesn't look easy, where it gets hard, when it's difficult, and, and the road ahead seems like it's going to be a rocky road. And I'm here to tell you that God might be calling you to stay the course, to not give up, to, you know, not to throw in the towel when you could just as easily walk away. In any number of different places. Let's talk about some this morning. Some of you, maybe you're in school today. And uh, right now, man, you're thinking, man, I just cannot see this one through. I, I, I don't think I can make it. You know, it's too difficult. It's too expensive. It's too time-consuming. The, 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 the mountain is too high. I can't climb it. And so for you, maybe you do what a lot of people do, and maybe it's the right thing for you to do. You just walk away. And you give up, and you don't finish. Or God might speak to you. He might say, you know what? You're not a quitter. You're a finisher. And so you keep your head down. You keep at it. You work those two jobs. You might not be on the four-year plan. You're on like the seven-and-a-half-year plan. Know what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, you know, it might be a class here or two classes there or summer school or whatever. And one day you wake up and you realize, man, I did it. And your story is, you know, it wasn't easy, but now I got a job I wouldn't have had either otherwise. And I'm not a quitter. I'm a finisher. And you decided to stay when it would have been easier to quit. Some of you, it might be a problem that uh, comes up in the church one day. 
you get your feelings hurt. Somebody does something that you don't like. Pastor Chris tells one too many cat jokes. And, um, you know, you get your feelings hurt. And you say, well, you know what? Forget them. You know, church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. And Hey, by, by the way, let me tell you something, though. If you ever find a church that you think is perfect, please leave because you're going to screw things up, okay? Because <laughs> you're not perfect, and nobody else is. Okay, so, you know, you get your feelings hurt. And you say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving the church. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show them. I, I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to stay in this, you know, this stupid thing. And that might be your story. And it's a lot of people's stories. Or you might just say, you know what, man, I'm just too busy. I got too much stuff going on. I don't need another plate to spend. You know, I've got too many other things going on in our life, sports, activities. You know, I used to go, but I'm not going anymore. And that can become your story. Or... You say, you know what? That did hurt. But I'm going to do for that person what Jesus did for me. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to work through it. And I'm going to hang in there. And maybe years from now, your story now is, you know what? It did hurt. It hurt my feelings. But you know what? I forgave them. They forgave me. We went through the tunnel of chaos together. And you know what? Now we're close. Now we're a family. And I'm so glad I didn't give up because now I'm in a place that I never was before spiritually. And now one of the high points of my life is being a part of the family of God. And I don't just go to church. I am the church because my life is different because I decided to stay when it would have been easier to go. Some of you, your problem is going to be with God. And something's going to happen in your life one day and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be painful. You're not going to like it. And you're going to cry out to God in a very angry tone and say, God, if you're so good, then why? Why did you let this happen? And your story can be like a lot of other people's story. And you walk away. God, I can't believe you let this happen. Or maybe, maybe you decide to stay with God. Because you discover that God has always stayed with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. And so maybe one day you come to the point where you say, you know what, God, I don't understand it all. And I don't understand this. It really doesn't make sense to me. But God, I realize you're God. I'm not. And so I'm choosing to believe in you and trust you even when I don't feel your presence. And maybe time goes on and something happens inside of you and then one day you look back and you go, you know what? I didn't know it at the time, but God actually used that to bring about something good in my life, to change me. And what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. And now I know that God is love and that he is faithful and that his tender mercy is real. And now I have a whole different story because I decided to stay when it would have been easier to walk away. Some of you, it's going to be your marriage. Now, before I go any further, I want to say two things. 
And I want you to hear this loud and clear. Number one, I do not want you to feel guilty about past chapters in your story because we can't change the past. And we've said that in this series. We can't change the past. Now, God's not finished with you yet. If you're not dead, God's not done. And your story, your whole story has not been written yet. And Jesus can still be the author and perfecter of your story. So we can't change the past. Don't feel guilty about the past. Number two, hear this loud and clear. If you are being abused, if someone is beating you up, I am not telling you to stay. Do not be a doormat. Do not be a punching bag. The Bible does not teach that. We don't teach that here at Coastal. I am telling you, get away. Get out now. Get out where you can be safe, where you can be healthy. And I will even say this, where possibly, then and only then possibly, you can work on it in a healthy way. I am not telling you to stay and let someone hit you. This is not the NFL, okay? <laughs> now, what I am saying is this. You see, here's what I see over and over again, over and over and over again. In our culture today, in 2014, I see one or the other spouse say something like this. Well, I'm not happy, so we might as well cash it in. You know, he's not really meeting my needs anymore, and the trainer at the gym sure compliments me a lot, and so, or, you know, she's kind of boring. And the girl at work, she's kind of fun and exciting. And so I'm going to walk away. We gave it a shot, but it didn't work out. Now, when your marriage gets to that point, when it is a struggle, when it is difficult, when it is hard, because hear me, you ready, ready for this? All marriages get to that point. Okay, forget what you see on television and in the movies. Here's real life. It's hard. It gets difficult. You know why? Because you're a sinner, and so are they. Okay? So you need to ask yourself, what story does God want us to tell five years from now, ten years from now? Well, kiddos, we gave it a shot. You know, but we just weren't happy. We just weren't compatible. Let, let, me, let me tell you something about compatibility. It is a lie from Satan, okay? You're a man. He's, you know, he's a man. He, she's a woman. You're incompatible, okay? I don't care what you think or what you say. There's differences there. You know, and, and the reality is in the beginning, opposites really attract, and then they attack, okay? Who cares about compatibility? Or, you know, we, we're just not happy. Marriage is not about happiness. It's not you know what? Now, I love my wife. I love marriage. It's, the, it, it's great. I mean, you know, on this side of eternity, my wife is the, the most important relationship that I have besides Jesus. Other than Jesus, it, it's my wife. And we have a great marriage. But guess what? Marriage is not about happiness. As you come to, as we know happiness in, in movies and in television, you know, marriage is about commitment. Love is not a feeling. It is an action. It is a commitment. And when there is no escape hatch, you only got two options. 
die or work it out. That's it. Now, your story might be something like this. It might go like this. You might say, you know what? There was a time when we didn't like each other. In fact, we hated each other. Now, we didn't believe in murder, so we just prayed that the other one would die. Now, not like in a group. Some of, you are, some of you are there. You've been there, right? And you're like, well, not a gruesome death, but you know, like a non-painful death. You know, something like that. But, um, and it was the worst thing ever. But you know what? Listen to this. We made a covenant before God. And so we hung in there. We did whatever it took. We stopped making excuses. We got help. We saw counseling. We kept going to counseling. We kept getting help. We kept loving one another, even when the other person didn't respond or I didn't feel like it. We did whatever it took. We made church a priority, not just attendance, but our relationship with God. We started talking about our faith. We got into a life group. They started speaking to our lives. And it did not happen overnight. But over a period of time, God changed the both of us. And now we have a marriage. It's not always perfect, because we're not perfect. But we made it through. And now we're better because of it. Now we're friends. That could be your story. I know some of you are going to say, yeah, but Pastor Chris, you don't understand. He did this. She did that. And, and come on now, that's grounds for divorce, right? I mean, there's a verse in the Bible, right? This is like a loophole, right? Listen to me. Hear this as lovingly and graciously as I can say it. Stop looking for a loophole. Because maybe, maybe it is grounds for divorce. Maybe you think you found a loophole. But maybe, just maybe, it's also grounds for forgiveness. Stop looking for a loophole. The best decision you might ever make is to stay when it's so much easier to go. Listen, do you not think that over, let's just pick on the first 14, 15 years of our church when it was very, very hard at times and we hit obstacle after obstacle, after obstacle, that I wasn't tempted to go. For the first 14 years of our church, we were portable. We set up and broke down every single Sunday for 14 years, met in three different locations over the period of that time. And I got phone calls, and I got letters. Pastor Chris, come and be our pastor. Come to this bigger church, this larger church with more resources and more people and more prominence. And I decided to stay when it would be so much easier to go. And I can remember many times praying, God, you've not called me to leave. You told me to come to Charleston and start a church and, you know, you're not finished yet. I'm not going anywhere. And it was hard and it was difficult. But I made the right decision. What I want you to hear today is that sometimes the greatest act of faith you will ever make is simply to be faithful. To stay where you're planted. 
to not give up with that, you know, that weight loss decision, not give up on that exercise routine, to not give up on that budget, to not give up on that relationship, to not give up on that marriage, to not give up on that, on that discipline that you've, you know, that you started doing spiritually. When you hit that brick wall, when you hit that obstacle, stay. Maybe you don't see that, you don't see your Boaz immediately. And it might be hard and it might be difficult, but Galatians 6, 9 says this, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not what? What are the two words? Give up. The decisions you make today determine the stories you're going to tell tomorrow. And sometimes the best decision you'll ever make is to stay when it would be easier to go. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus who came to this earth and it would have been so, so much easier for him to go, for him to give up on a people who turned their back on him, to give up on a people who are so evil and mean and wicked and bad and wrong. In fact, Father, your word, as Michael shared this morning, says that when we were at our worst, when we turned our back on you, you loved us. You sacrificed your one and only son for us. Thank you, Father, for not giving up. And Father, I believe today there are people here who are ready to stay with you. In fact, they're ready to come home. They, they have had their backs turned. They have run away. They've kicked you out of their life. But today they're ready to come home. Listen, if that's, if that's your story today, cry out to God in your heart and say, just, dear Heavenly Father, I love you. Father, today forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my screw-ups. God, I believe, I believe that you did. You sent your son Jesus to this earth to, to be a sacrifice for my sin, for me. That's how great your love is for me. In fact, we killed him, we put him in a tomb, but your power, your love was so great that you overcame death and sin, and Jesus rose from the dead, and I believe it today. He is alive, and I, I put my trust in him and him alone. And Father, for the rest of my days, I, I just want to follow Jesus now. I know I can't be perfect. I know, you know I'm going to make mistakes, but what, what amazes me today is that by your grace... You now see me as forgiven and clean and brand new. And so I just want to love you and thank you for the rest of my life. God, that today, Father, today I pray for those who are here who are in situations who are ready to throw in the towel, ready to give up. Whether it's on, on school, on an exercise routine, on a spiritual discipline, on a relationship whether it's with you or the church or a marriage. Help us to not give up, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray this in his name. Amen.